Podcast, podcast.com. I am your host, Arden Kulik, and with me here is a man who every week steals all of my signs as I sit on the other end of the microphone. That's Grace, the other host, Ty. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. If your signs are easy enough to steal <laughs> like that, then maybe I'm not the problem. Yeah. Okay, Ty. There's a couple of topics I went through this week. But this Michigan sign-stealing story will not go away. And I'll give a very mm-hmm. top-down view of this. Supposedly, Michigan has a guy who's not on staff who goes— No, he's on staff. I thought he wasn't originally. He's uh, okay. on staff. Okay, some guy. He went to West Point or something like that. I don't uh-huh. even think he went yeah. to Michigan. He's nope. what's his name? Connor Fields or something Con- like that? Connor Stallions. Stallions, yeah. That's a kick-ass yeah. name. But— <laughs> um, <laughs> The story is he goes, he videotapes the sidelines of other teams that Michigan will be playing, and then he creates a chart or whatever of what their signs are, and supposedly Michigan has been stealing their signs, and that's why they're suddenly winning games. Yep. It has nothing to do with recruiting, (laughs) coaching, talent. It's only because they're stealing signs. Tell me what I'm missing or what's the big deal or why people are talking about this. When this first came about, I was conflicted because this is my team. I've talked about them glowingly on here and how much I love them and stuff. But I also, I bashed the Houston Astros when they got caught stealing signs. I never really bashed the Patriots, but I always thought what they did by filming practices and stuff was shady. But both of those are professional sports teams. Yeah, my problem with the Patriots is take away the Super Bowl thing. But they got in trouble a second time when they were found taping the Cincinnati Bengals. That was the year the Bengals went two and fourteen. Well, I know what you're getting. I think the Patriots won the Super Bowl or something. So that that is just blatantly stupid. Yeah, but um, anyway, that's like having a bunch of drinks at a bar and then taking one to go and driving with it on your way home. That's what the Patriots did. So anyway, but those are professional sports and. In professional, you hope that the people who have made it to that level kind of understand, okay, we need to switch things up. We need to change things. The fact that this Michigan story is, and again, if they did it, that's the whole thing I want to say right off top. They've been, this is only accusations. They have not been quote unquote convicted of doing anything. This is strictly accusations. If you read any story from ESPN, it always just says sources or anonymous sources. There's nobody being named. Now, I will say your wife's alma mater, Purdue, is who Michigan plays this weekend. And their coach came out the other day and said, we have video evidence. Again, nothing's been given to the NCAA or given to anybody to cl- to, to make that claim. But he's the only one who's come out and put his name behind it and said something. So if that's true, he needs to provide that, whatever. The whole idea of sign stealing, of this becoming such a big story, of it blowing up the way it is, having ADs and the other Big Ten coaches saying they want immediate punishment from the Big Ten before an NCAA investigation has even started, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. If your signs are easy enough to steal, you talk to other coaches, they they talked to coaches before all this blew up and they said, oh, I believe Bruce Feldman, who's a very polished and accomplished college football writer, said... He talked to many other coaches, 85 to 90% of teams do this. The only reason they even put a rule in place is because they said lower level schools can't afford to send scouts to go watch other games. So this wasn't even a rule until 2021. And it was a rule that they thought about taking off the books regardless. But for Michigan to be embroiled, I guess is the right word, in a scandal seemingly so big, maybe, and people, I'm sure people will say stuff in the comments or whatever about, oh, he's just a homer. But 
there is so much worse stuff going on in college football. There's so much worse things going on at universities. There's so many worse things that have happened prior to this that if this is the biggest scandal in college football, if you people on Michigan's comment pages are saying death penalty, why? If your signs are easy enough to steal, again, I'll go to what Dion said. Dion Sanders said you can mail a whole team your playbook and let them know you still have to execute. You still have to have the players. It's to to think that Michigan's success these past two and a half years is strictly due to them stealing signs is idiotic. And for these coaches and these athletic directors to go on a conference call, mind you, Jim Harbaugh left the last conference call with the coaches with 30 minutes left. And this is when they had a quote unquote emotional reaction to what's going on. This is akin to my son's football season just ended. He's in sixth grade. I've talked about my son a lot on this. He won't admit that the team they that beat them was better than them. He's making excuses. Oh, they had a seventh grader playing. Oh, they have eighth graders who come down and play. Oh, their coaches say they play dirty. That's exactly what these Big Ten teams are doing is nobody can ever be beaten. There always has to be an excuse for why you were beaten. So if this makes the Ryan Days, the James Franklins of the world sleep at night, knowing that, oh, I didn't get beat. It's Michigan cheating. Fine. But. Nothing has been set in standard that they actually did this. Right now, all it is is accusatory. Right now, the person who broke this story, Pete Thamel, is a humongous Ohio State guy. So there's stuff going on with that. And if the if something does come out and it's found that Michigan did any sort of this stuff, other college major college football program in the world better get their books in order because they're all going to be investigated by the NCAA. Okay, this is this is where I'm stupid. Because I You're not stupid. Because even is, this is stupid. Even if Michigan did this, even if everything they say Michigan did is one hundred percent true, mm-hmm. I don't see the problem. Now I don't. I understand. Players oh, have to execute on the field, right? I understand this rule or whatever. Of and let let's be honest. A lot of this is coming out, and people are saying it's a uh, Ohio State. They called TCU mm-hmm. before the national yep. semifinal playoff game, which Michigan was favored to win it. And TCU won that game, and TCU said we switched up all our signs and everything. People, TCU is all four and four this year, so let's just put that out. There. No, they're not they're just not, that. They're not relevant this year. But on top of that, though, that the quarterback they had one of the best games he's ever had in his life, and wasn't the final score of that game like forty six forty five or something? Fifty one forty five. Okay, and JJ McCarthy is Michigan's quarterback through two pick sixes. Yeah, in that game. yeah. So <laughs> take that crap out of there. Plus, let's assume everybody knew that all of a sudden. That Michigan's doing this. What are mm-hmm. they six and zero this year? Eight and zero. Eight and zero, and they're blowing people out. Yep. <laughs> Their schedule's been incredibly easy. I Fine. Will say that. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> They're still doing it, though, with supposedly every team knowing that Michigan is quote unquote stealing their signs. But again, uh, there's a rule for smaller schools. Get that crap out of here, okay? Well, Boise the, State's we, not winning the damn national title, no matter how much you think they will. There's a rule for smaller schools. I've read a lot about college football in the past and present. There used to be a rule on the books that a coach who has a recruit in their area can give a recruit a bagel, but they cannot put cream cheese on it. Yeah. That's how asinine the NCAA is. No, that, that's, but that's, again, let's say that Michigan is the only school to have ever done this. Yep. And let's say that it is, people talk about competitive advantage and stuff like that. <laughs> it is a game. This is what you do when Mm -hmm. a player is on second base in baseball and they notice the pitcher gripping the ball a certain way. They will move 
along the base a certain way to tell the batter this is the pitch that's coming. And everybody we teach our little leaguers to do that. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> can get their underwear all in bunches and clutch their pearls and things like that. But you do everything you can to get a competitive advantage. Yeah. When I talk about some of these other scandals, Ty, nothing is even close to this. These other scandals, and I don't mean as level of bad. This would be on a scale of 1 to 100, 0.1 or something like that. Let's not get it twisted either. What this is truly about is Jim Harbaugh, since he's taken over at Michigan, has been a thorn in a lot of people's side. I even said to a friend of mine the other night when I had my daughter out trick-or-treating, Jim Harbaugh drives me nuts, mm-hmm. and I'm a Mich- I'm a Michigan. That's okay. He'll be in day. Chicago or Las Vegas. It, exactly. <laughs> so everybody will get their wish, but let's not get it twisted. This is clearly a. I don't want to use witch hunt because that's too much like that crazy ex president said. But this is clear. They're attacking one person, and that one person happens to coach Michigan. And I think it's because if you'll notice the past couple of years, and I don't know, I watch it, I pay attention to this stuff, but. Jim Harbaugh has been very open about giving revenue to players. He's been very forward with, I'm going to let my players shine. Anytime after a game, they'll do an interview and he'll talk for a second. Then he'll say, but I want you to talk to this guy. And he'll pull a lineman over. He'll pull JJ McCarthy. He'll pull Blake Corum over. And I think a lot of these coaches, even the new ones have these old school values of I'm the coach. You need to talk to me because it all runs through me. And Harbaugh, something shifted in him these past couple of years where he's letting the players be the front face of the program and you look at a player like Blake Corum who's their lead running back the kid gives back so much to the community he does so much for the community and I think Michigan wants to show that instead of saying we're going to put our coach front and center you look at Ryan Day who's clearly got some issues but there's a video floating around of him now saying this is how insecure this guy is he was at a dinner the other night and they said oh what's the most loving thing you've done for your wife recently and he said beating notre dame on saturday night was the most loving thing i've done Mm -hmm. so he clearly only thinks about himself and i think that rubs the fact that jim harbaugh is letting his players be in the front he's invited barack obama to speak at michigan he's all about players sharing the revenue i think a lot of these guys don't like that he's so upfront with the players need to shine as much as i shine my assistant coaches need to shine as much as I should. I've got to be transparent here, too. I've never been a huge college football fan. I did, oh, yeah. I just didn't grow up with it as much as even you did or someone. Uh, when I was the school I went to, we didn't even have a football team till my final year. And supposedly, yeah, yeah. the reason why we didn't have a football team for 70 years is because we paid people to beat uh, another school. Now, that's yeah. legend more than it's true. I don't want to besmirch the good name of my alma mater. And I was, I do want to say, too, people, oh, he's going to bed. He doesn't. If Michigan did it, they should get levied some kind of fine, possible scholarships. But I don't think you vacate wins. I don't think you punish the coaches. Again, as you said, Every athlete tries to find a competitive advantage. I run races that I know I'm not going to win, but I think, okay, this person fell down. I'll help them for a second, but then I'm going to take off. Does that mean I'm stealing something from that person? I just still, even if they did it, I just don't get it. I just, I, I said, let's imagine for a moment they're the only team to have ever done this. In the history of college <laughs> yeah, football. <laughs> they unlock something. Go do it yourselves. And mm-hmm. it's, there was a pro football game a couple of nights ago. It was Buffalo was playing Tampa Bay is yep. what it was. And I remember, Thursday, yeah. yeah, I remember all these people were saying things like, oh, it sounded like you could clearly tell at one time that Josh Allen said LeBron James as he's uh-huh. calling an all the ball play. Someone said later on, oh, he said Taylor Swift. No, it was another NBA player, he said. But the, it obviously was new. 
So this is obviously a new thing because they know Tampa might have caught on to some of our audibles. So we need to change our audibles up because that's what you do. Okay. (laughs) And TCU is like, oh, if Ryan Day's, oh, you just don't know how bad Michigan is, which good on you, Ryan Day, for calling another college to do this. And also, uh, that's a big man. I mean, I don't like Lou Holtz at all, but for Ryan Day to attack him after that game, Ryan Day's got. He's got issues. You want to talk about Ohio State, who's claiming that they're the pillar of college football morals and everything. Urban Meyer had a guy on his staff who beat his wife and kept it quiet as long as he could. Oh, how is that less horrific than Michigan stealing signs? Oh, no. Ty, I'm going to just do a really top-down view of some of these things because that's a great segue to it because, again— I'm not a Michigan homer. I'm not. I've never been that way. As a matter of fact, I've tried not to be, but I honestly think this has been blowing incredibly out of. Yes. And I'm trying (laughs) to connect to this. I really am trying to connect. Me too. In the second half, especially because it's my team. I want to know what's going on. In the second half, I'm going to talk about three particular stories that we can sit in judgment of how bad the what really happened. Again, I'm not trying to. I am. No, I am comparing apples and oranges. People are talking about what Michigan has done is the absolute worst thing. I have not been more annoyed by a sports story since the stupid Tom Brady likes his footballs a little softer story. Yep, me too. Agreed. And Which, that was another story, and I'm not a Patriot. No. I could care less. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and people just calling for it. They need to get rid of Super Bowls and all this other stuff. Let me start off light here. So North Carolina, you probably know the whole story with the basketball team and that they had all these. And I'm just talking about football scandals here, people. So the reason what North Carolina did is like there was they had fake classes and tutors Mm -hmm. would do their homework and stuff like that. That started with the football team. Okay, Uh it started with North Carolina's football team and they lost a few scholarships here or there. A lot of times these schools will punish themselves. But let's end this off talking about. Colorado, Penn State, and Baylor. All right. Okay. Let me start with Colorado. So yeah. they had Gary Barnett was the coach mm-hmm. there, who I think he was he at coach at Northwestern. Yeah. So he and everybody's oh Northwestern does it the right way. You'll get these. <laughs> we could talk about their scandal with Pat Fitzgerald, right? If you these dumbasses. Greg Easterbrook is one I think of that are like it's harder to get in the Northwestern. So when their football teams do well, look, idiot, they're not, you're not getting a 35 on the ACT and then playing for Northwestern football. Exactly. My son goes to school here in Cincinnati. That's like an academic magnet school. Their team, their football team hasn't won a football game since before the pandemic. Oh, wow. And I'm like, and I told him, I go, look, at the end of the day, where we live here in Ohio, it's a little football crazy. If, oh yeah! If you can get into <laughs> my yeah, if you can get in my son's school and you're good at football, you're going to one of the private schools. They will pay for you to go there. So well, that's the thing with my son's football game this past weekend. They played a local high school out here that's a public school, and my dad said our dad who was watching it said all these good kids they'll be playing at CBC or just yes. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, that's just the way it is. Uh-huh. So the same thing with Northwestern. There, if you're really that smart and that good. You're going somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, so he had this whole, he does nothing wrong. He has players raping people and he's covering Mm -hmm. it up. Yep. And we're talking about not player. We're talking about players. Multiple. Yeah, multiples. Eventually it gets him in the end of the day. Uh, Baylor. Baylor is 
This was bad. Well, I'm, say, I'm not even t- the basketball thing is like incredibly awful. Oh no, I'm talking about the football thing. Yeah, too. yeah, the basketball thing is horrific, and people need to go to jail. Football thing, people need to go to jail. Yeah, multiple rapes again. All their, being, coach, their former head coach still coaching yeah, college football. Yeah, was that Art Bryles? Yep. Yeah, no punishment at all. And I think some of the people, one of the coaches, I'm going to talk about in the second half is you want to talk about constantly failing upwards. But that was ongoing at Baylor. That was a, a situation that they just kept. It sweeping. was, yeah, it was in the Colorado thing. I was still like finding my college football fandom, but I remember and thinking that was bad. The Baylor thing, I I was fully invested in college football, and I remember hearing about that. And the Baylor thing got talked about. I feel like for maybe a week. This Michigan thing has been going on two weeks now. The Baylor thing, people were being sexually assaulted on the daily. So here, this is what the lawsuit claimed. This is from 2016, so not that long ago. 31 football players committed 52 rapes between 2011 and 2014. How many wins did they have to vacate? How many Uh, times did ESPN break in and say, another breaking story from anonymous sources? Yeah. And you have some, like I said, Art Bryles is one, the university president, Ken Starr, thankfully dead now. This is the basketball one, just for people that don't know. A player shot another player, and the coach told the team to lie to authorities to say the kid that was Uh, shot was a drug dealer, which wasn't true. No, and they didn't get him hardly any (laughs) trouble. I believe that coach is still coaching there. (sighs) (laughs) And again, I get it. I'm a Michigan homer. I understand, but. I, I swear if this were any other school in the country, I'd feel the same way about it. And also, we're comparing stealing signs to assault. Yeah. Now, let's let's end this one on a happy note, Ty. Penn State football. I, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is – you can talk about what happened at Michigan State. That was across everything. That was across yeah, that was, almost yeah. every sport. But Penn State in particular, mm-hmm. th- this is still the absolute worst Thing I think, and the way the NCA reacted to it is absolutely dreadful. They lionized everybody after the fact, mm-hmm. especially when Bill O'Brien came in and kept that program afloat. People, I think a lot of people thought the NCA. For people who don't know, under Joe Paterno, his defensive coordinator was molesting children. Yeah, and he kept it quiet for not just years, decades. Yeah, it was almost like what the Catholic Church would do. They would move him around here, and, and look, it's not only that. Is Jerry Sandusky is who we talking mm-hmm. about? He founded a charity for disadvantaged children. This guy yeah. is an absolute and utter monster. And correct me if I'm wrong, but their thing was they got some scholarships taken away in a two-year bowl ban. That was it? Yeah. And again, there are people from Penn State who are calling for immediate action against Michigan and Jim Harbaugh for stealing signs. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody, none of their main coordinators or coaches are doing what it wasn't just alleged to have happened. It was proven to have happened what was going on at Penn State under Joe Paterno. Yeah. It was proven. I remember when it happened and after the story broke, I was talking to our parents about it because our mom has always said that Joe Paterno looked like our grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I agreed with that. And when that all happened, I told her, best thing that could happen to Joe Paterno right now is if he passed away. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, he, he got, he the got off easy. Was over. Yeah. Yep. He absolutely got off easy. And people to this day, they'll still say things like the library there is built because of Joe Paterno. I don't freaking care. Yeah, I don't care. I was telling this to my son the other day that I tell this people all the time. You are remembered for the best thing you've done in your life and the worst thing you've done in your life. Mm -hmm. Adolf Hitler painted dogs. That's the best thing about Adolf Hitler. The worst thing about Adolf Hitler is is means a lot more. Okay. Yeah. 
So this is, I don't care that you built a library. You covered and allowed sexual assault of children. So you could win Mm -hmm. football games. Mm -hmm. Because this guy might have been a a world-class sexual abuser, but he's also a good defensive coordinator. And that's all that mattered to, that's all that mattered to Joe Paterno in the end. Oh, and then people will come out and say, Oh, that was in the past. That happened in the past. That doesn't change the fact that it happened. I'm sure we'll talk about SMU in the second half, and that happened in the past, but people still bring that up today. And you'll have people with this whole Michigan thing saying, this is new. This is the worst thing you can do in all of sports is cheating to get signs. People covered up criminal activities at these other schools. How is that? not as bad as sign steel is oh, what I don't understand. No, absolutely. And it's, I'll never forget. It's one of the football guys that everybody likes. He's overexcited. One of the announcers and. Oh, Gus Johnson. Yeah. Gus Johnson. I remember when. He drives Penn, me batty. When Penn State, <laughs> like they won a big game or something like that. He said all excitedly, all the noise is done at Penn State. They're back. And it's, do you even know what the noise is? Yeah. I, people. I, want to and in today's society i'm sound like an old man here but i guess i am an old man people want to try and push that stuff aside and find the next big thing and right now this michigan thing is the next big thing and what really frustrates me the most about it is in public perception because i understand there's a ton of michigan fans i get that but there's also a ton of people who hate them and all those people who hate them forever and ever now it's going to be they're the houston astros of college football but people seem to forget what happened at baylor what happened at Penn State, that Bobby Petrino had an affair with a staffer and lied about it to their athletic director. Mm-hmm. He's coaching college football again, everybody. DJ Durkin, a kid died on his watch during offseason conditioning, and he called the kid a a coward. He used stronger words than that. And the child died. DJ mm-hmm. Durkin's a defensive coordinator at Texas A&M now. But people forget about all that because Michigan stole signs. Hello all, this is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because she talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on high heels in politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, I've got a couple of uh, characters here that I'm going to end this on, or end the whole thing on, probably the most famous one ever, and then <laughs> get your thoughts. Calling them characters sounds so like we're just pushing it under the, sweeping it under <laughs> the 
Now, the first one I don't think is as bad. The second person I'm going to talk about. But are there any other, like, scandals that deserve people to go look up in the, the attention? Uh, I, mentioned the Bob- I mentioned the Bobby Petrino one in the first half. And that seems to have been forgotten because he people will say he, quote, unquote, resurrected his career. But just go look that up. That's pretty shady. You can look at hazing anywhere. But the Northwestern story that came out just this year is a pretty big... Pat Fitzgerald was as synonymous with Northwestern as I think Bo Schembechler or Lloyd Carr or even Jim Harbaugh now at this point are with Michigan. And the hazing stuff there is pretty bad. I do, people think, oh, you're bashing Ryan Day in Ohio State, which I I will admit I am because I think they definitely did it. But I do think the whole tattoo thing with Jim Tressel up there was so stupid (laughs) and so asinine. If players want to give away memorabilia to get tattoos, let them. And I understand they didn't have NIL then, but to... Essentially, you have Jim Tressel lose his job over that with stupid. There you go, Ohio State fans. I'm I'm coming into your corner <laughs> with something there. I mentioned to you something that sounds akin to this Michigan story, and I know Auburn and Alabama fans will be mad at me, but the people who poisoned that tree in mm-hmm. Auburn, that's bad. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I think it was like some they, old man, too, or something. Yeah, exactly. That, that's bad that they did that. I mentioned DJ Durkin. That's horrific what ha- happened there. But the thing is, is, if you tell me to mention stuff we forgot, we'll be here for five hours. Mm-hmm. There's so the thing with college sports and the NCAA, especially college football, it's riddled with scandals. Yeah. There's scandals everywhere at almost every single institution. We could be here. We could go back and look at things and we'll be here for hours and hours on that. Yeah. And most of it is these sexual assaults being covered on. All right, I'm going to talk about a few here that are varying three particular things that are very, they differ in how, what their impact was. I just want to get your thoughts and then we'll talk about why what Michigan did is 8 million times worse than these three situations. It's it's the worst atrocity (laughs) in the history of sports, man. So let me first talk about Nevin Shapiro. Do you know who Nevin Shapiro is? I've watched the You documentary on ESPN, Mm -hmm. which a company I don't, very much care for but yes i'm very aware of who nevin shapiro is. okay give me your kind of view of it and i'll fill in he's any a of the butthead <laughs> nevin shapiro's a cowardice let's i would say let's remember everything we know is because he got pissed off because a player stopped talking to him but anyways yeah he's a, a hanger on a follower a wannabe guy who made a little bit of money so he decided he was gonna shine he screwed over the university of miami miami was and they're having a better season this year, but they've been up and down lately. Miami was the talk of college football in the 80s and 90s. They they were the school, and even in the early 2000s. And Nevin Shapiro blew the whistle on the whole thing because, as you said, a player or probably a couple of players decided they didn't want to hang with him because he felt like a hanger-on, and he decided to blow the whistle on them, and their program is still trying to recover from that. Yeah, he basically was paying players. Uh-huh. So he had bought a sports management company in Miami. A couple of things to know about Nevin Shapiro is huge, like big in the sports. He's a uh, five foot five, so he was never mm-hmm. going to be the <laughs> this star athlete. The, yeah, but like you said, he got some money. He started to pay players. He'd show up at all sorts of big sporting events. He would rent his yacht to Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Garnett. He would throw parties for these for these Miami players. I, I think Vince Wilfork famously got a whole bunch of money. But the problem is, once these guys went on to the pros, they just stopped hanging out with him. And he got mad. The, the problem is, 
Nevin Shapiro was getting this money by telling other companies, oh, hey, I'm going to get money on the other end, and then you're going to get paid oh. back. That's called a Ponzi scheme. So I mean, yeah, I Nevin mean. Shapiro went to prison, got a 20-year sentence. I think this was in uh, 2011 or so. In the summer of 2020, he was moved to home monitoring because there was this little pandemic going on, <laughs> and he is he's still considered under home imprisonment. Yeah, that's Nevin Shapiro. That's what he yeah. did. It goes to this thing where he paid players. And like you said, Miami has not quite been the same. Now, no, it's not Nevin Shapiro's fault that Miami did not kneel on the ball and decided to run it and then fumble it and lose a stupid game <laughs> like they did. So let's move on to Barry Switzer. Whoa, hold on. Oh, right. oh, okay. <laughs> I do want to say with Nevin Shapiro, the, the vibe I got from him, especially after watching the 30 for 30 doc and hearing them all talk about him, you and I both love the movie The Social Network. I, yeah. I assume you do. I oh, yeah. No, it's one of my favorite films. Yeah. yeah. Nevin Shapiro reminds me of Justin Timberlake's character in that. When Andrew Garfield's character finally starts to attack Justin Timberlake and Timberlake, you can see he's a coward. That's Nevin Shapiro to me. I believe Timberlake plays the guy who founded Napster. Yeah, no, he's one of the Napster. Yeah. Yes, people who know the social network know what I'm talking about because Andrew Garfield kind of flinches at him and Justin Timberlake's character gets scared. That's Nevin Shapiro, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He's a hanger on. He wants to be around famous people who thinks he's famous, but he's not famous. Yeah. Let's move on to Barry Switzer. <laughs> Barry Switzer. <laughs> <laughs> one of only three people that have won a college football title and the Super Bowl. Jimmy Johnson, him, and Pete Carroll, yep, right? Yep, that is correct. Right, I got it right. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Pete Carroll will be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't think Barry Switzer is going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. he deserves Hall to be in the Pro Football Hall. He inherited a wonderful Cowboys team. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. But where Barry Switzer got his, his, his cred was being the head coach of the University of Oklahoma. Didn't they win like 39 straight games under him or something crazy oh, like I, that? I don't know, but I know they won three national titles. I think, yeah, because 74-75 is one of the national titles they won. Yeah, they had some kind of crazy run of wins under him. College football in the 1980s, especially when you look up a lot of these, every team was under investigation. Every team had Wild West in the 80s, dude. Yeah. One of the things that Switzer did at Oklahoma is he created basically what they called the football dorm. I forgot it was called like something house or whatever. And it's where all the football players would be. This is where they would all stay together because you got to be brothers and you got a stupid brotherhood idea. Of yeah. that is, I played only as far as high school football. And I hated when the coaches said, this is a brotherhood. I'm like, I got three brothers at home who pick on me all the time. So yeah. So it, near the end of Barry Switzer's Oklahoma career, all right? As a matter of fact, I think it was the year he stepped down or whatever. Yeah. In 1989, Oklahoma was placed on probation amidst several scandals of players, including one player's arrest, Charles Thompson, for soliciting to sell cocaine to an undercover FBI agent. Yep. He was selling drugs to the cops. I little personal story about me. When I was working at the dental lab, I worked in one of my best friends at that job. One of my coworkers was arrested for that same thing. Not once, not twice, <laughs> but three times. And he told me it's, he's, he was clean and sober by that time, but he says it's the dumbest decision he ever made. And he felt like a moron each time. And I'm like, well, yeah, by the third time selling, I don't know what he was. I, I believe it was cocaine as well. But yeah, how dumb do you have to be to do that? <laughs> I remember when my wife and, and again, I... this guy was one of my best friends yeah. at my job. Oh, yeah. When my wife and I lived in the city, 
and I would there was a place I worked where every now and then I had to get up really early to go. So we're talking like four or five in the morning. I would be driving, and at the end of our, one of the streets uh, before I got on the highway, there was always a lady standing there just on the street corner. And so I got into a discussion with my wife about, like, how much do you think her services cost? And <laughs> just we had a debate about it because yeah. we're, we're, frankly, we don't have to think about those things, but it was a yes. curiosity. And so we disagreed. She's like, oh, it's probably five bucks. I'm like, no, it's got to be like 20. So I told her one morning, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to just no. say, but then she's like, but then it's going to be an undercover cop and you're going to be like uh-huh. in jail for soliciting and your whole thing is like, I was just curious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I never got arrested. And to this day, I still don't know what the services cost, but yeah, that's good. But Brian Bosworth. Okay. Uh-huh. The boss. <laughs> Got Pro- trash in the NFL. Oh yeah. It's, a, it's, it's probably one of the, uh, we're talking right the week that Chase Young gets traded from the, yeah. The DC team. To the 49ers. And there was, oh my God, the 49ers are going to be great. I'm like, Chase Young, why aren't we talking about him being a bust yet? But yeah, he's well, missed a ton of time. <laughs> Brian Bosworth wrote a book. I think it was called like Brian and the Boz, where he just yeah, detailed. Again, they did a 30 for 30. Oh, yeah, they did. You're right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. But it's, he talks in there about this Oklahoma dorm. And it's all the things you would think they would pay players, they would do it through ticket scalping. So this is OU staff would sell their tickets at a higher price and then take that money and use that money to pay players. One of those staffers better not be going to film other teams playing or else (laughs) it's the biggest scandal ever. No, but the biggest thing about it is supposedly one day out in the courtyard of the dorm, one of the players had a machine gun and fired off a hundred rounds just into the sky while all the other players were. (laughs) Those bullets have to come down. (laughs) Yes. That's crazy. Wow. But then what's Switzer get for that? Oklahoma just gets the hammer thrown at him. Again, they lost scholarships. They weren't that great through most of the 90s. He and, leaves and goes to the NFL. Yeah, goes to the Cowboys, wins a Super Bowl with mm-hmm. the last Super Bowl the Cowboys have won, yep. as a matter of fact. And mm-hmm. he's still kicking. Barry's still out there. Of course. Nobody's calling for his head. Nobody was probably calling for his head back then either. No, it's just that's how business was done. Yeah. But let's talk about the absolute worst thing a college football program has ever done. And I know what you're going to talk about because you told me, and I'm very aware of this story. But in looking at this story now, this is utterly absurd that they got this big of a penalty thrown on them. Yeah. For what they did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why I believe, along with a a lot of other people, that this happened. Look, this scandal not only destroyed a football program for a generation. They're still not recovered. Yeah. It ended the political career of the governor of Texas, and it ended a power conference in college football to essentially create the Big 12 in the SEC. And what they did, there was no assault. No. There was no hiding of anything that these other schools had done. And this is the biggest penalty in the history of college. Oh, yeah. Oh, I. Not, I don't want to say there's not an assault, but I will talk about how Eric Dickerson almost flattened an 18-year-old. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right, yeah. So we're talking about the Southern Methodist University football scandal, the famously mm-hmm. known as the NCAA death penalty. Mm-hmm. What did SMU do? Paid players. They got players to go to their school by giving them money, which is with NIL, a, a, a practice that every school does now, and Prior to NIL, a practice. Look at USC and Reggie Bush and Lendale White and all those guys. You can go to, again, this is akin to sign stealing in the 80s. You could go to any school and schools are paying players. It's 
the trope cliche in sports movies. I my wife and I just watched a program a couple of weeks ago and it's all about, oh, boosters giving out money to players. Mm-hmm. That's what SMU did. They paid their players. Yeah, that's exactly it. That is it. There yep. I there wasn't like this protected dorm like that, what Barry Switzer had at OU. There wasn't allegations of all of these sexual assaults and all this other stuff. And look, it's going you guys are gonna think I'm on SMU's side when it's all said and done, and I am. Yeah, because I am too. I don't think what they did was wrong. No, they played in a what's called the South was called the Southwest Conference, mm-hmm. and the South With like Texas and Texas A like it was a good conference. Yeah, yeah, it was Baylor, Rice, Southern Methodist, Texas A and M, TCU, Texas Tech, Houston, Arkansas, and then University of Texas. Strong it's a big conference. Deal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. U was one of the smallest schools there. I think mm-hmm. they said it had about 9,000 students. Yeah. And they were, look, these football programs are bringing a lot of money to these universities. When SMU oh, yeah. essentially started to do this and become competitive, they went from averaging 26,000 people in 1979 to averaging over 50,000 in 1985. And that is money in the bank for that university. Yeah. Now, this all starts with the coach, Ron Meyer, who by the time it started to get really noticeable, he left to go coach the New England Patriots and got his butt canned the year before they went to the Super Bowl to get destroyed by the Bears. Yep. But they did. They had this entire system, and it would start in high school. What SMU knew is we have to get players. So, And Ty, when I tell you the amount of money they're giving these kids, it was like 20 bucks. Huh? Yeah, it was in the eighties, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't anything. What's going on now? Yeah, now when they really started to get good, it was because of two players, Craig James and Eric Dickerson, who mm-hmm. were they had this great running attack. And this was if you guys ever want to really watch this, another great thirty for thirty. One of the first ones called Pony Excess. Mm-hmm. But there was a picture in the paper of Eric Dickerson with the car they gave him. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and SMU for all the credit, they never won a national title during this entire time. Nope. They did finish they did second in a poll. They won the Cotton Bowl and uh, was I think eighty two, and they finished second overall in the polls. Yeah. But they, everybody knew they were doing this, and it kept happening. And so the they would get. They would lose like four scholarships here or lose a scholarship here. Or they would self-report and say, oh, we're going to be better. We're going to do this. And then that leads us to uh, David Stanley. All right. So Stanley was, I think he was a lineman or something like that. But he was smaller. But he was, the SMU wanted to bring him in. And at this time, Eric Dickerson was in the NFL. And they bring this recruit to a dinner with Dickerson. And the guy, he was just an ass to Dickerson. To the point that Dickerson, again, this is an 18-year-old kid, and Dickerson is an NFL player, mm-hmm. stood up, picked him up, and threatened to throw him against the wall if he didn't show some respect. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> and after they left, they, Dickerson said, don't sign that kid. He's a problem. SMU signed okay. him anyways, and he ended up being the biggest whistleblower. Ah, all right. So he had a lot of substance abuse problems, too. He died fairly young. I think he was like uh. 40 or something when he died. Everybody knew SMU was doing it, but now it was in the news. Everybody was talking about it. Again, we're talking about paying players. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. So this is what the NCAA gave them. The entire 87 season was canceled. They could only do conditioning drills with the team. All home games for 1988 were canceled. The problem is SMU could not even field a team, so they ended up canceling the 88 season. 
the pro- yeah the yeah, two years of no football yeah their probation went all the way to 1990 their bowl game ban 89 it didn't really matter though they didn't have a team they lost 55 scholarships over four years they had That's to make a lot. yes they had to make an agreement that these certain boosters who put together this scheme would never show up the team was only allowed to hire five assistant coaches most schools had nine and they had no off-campus recruiting until until the 89 season or it was 88 but it was during the season no mm-hmm. paid visits till 89 that they, they killed their program for a generation they did they didn't go back to a bowl game i think for like 23 years yeah, it was a long time. And SMU is nothing. It's not is nothing now. They have a team. They play. I, I watch them because I always thought their helmets were cool with that Colt on the side of it. But yeah, they haven't. Re- I they went to a bowl game, but I believe the record was something like seven and five or eight and four. It wasn't like what they were doing in the eighties, the early eighties. And I think that's what's frustrating is that every university does this with playing play paying players in the eighties, but. Because it was a small Methodist college in Texas, they figure out this isn't the University of Texas. This isn't Texas A&M. This isn't Alabama. This isn't Auburn. So we're going to hammer this team too. Again, it's the NCAA is an awful organization. I used to defend it and I've come more and more over to the side of you and our father. The NCAA is awful because they don't know how to, they'll protect their powerhouses, but They'll go after little schools or they'll go after schools where they may not like the way that the coaches run that program or how they profit from that program. To hammer SMU like this, to to see a school that hasn't even fully come back, that was once a dominant powerhouse for, again, stuff that wasn't nearly as bad in hindsight looking at it. It's like you said, they were giving, they were probably buying recruit, buying Eric Dickerson a car. Okay. That, that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. That's always happened everywhere. Again, that's cliche in sports movies when you're talking about college sports. Blue Chips, which is about basketball, one of my favorite things of all time. There's a hit country boy in that who instead of a car, he wants a tractor. That was their way of making mm-hmm. a joke about it. But mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly unfair that SMU got hit this hard and Penn State is allowed to go back to bowl games after two years. Or Baylor is allowed to play in the college football playoff. Or Michigan State is allowed to play in the college football playoff after what goes on there. Or Tennessee, who has over 200 violations, essentially gets a slap on the wrist with, oh, you guys will have to pay a fine. But stealing signs are paying players when it wasn't allowed to pay players. That's the worst thing you can do oh, yeah. to the guys in the NCAA. And this SMU scandal, like I said, affected two other things. One is Bill Clement or Bill Clements. He's a he was a Texas governor and then he left to become the head of the the uh, board for SMU. And he was head of the board while this was going on and knew about it. And when the scandal started to break, he left to run for governor of Texas again, which he won. But he was, there were calls for his impeachment. There's all sorts of issues that basically when his term was over, his political career was over. There was nothing. But the biggest thing is that conference I talked about, the Southwest Conference. Mm-hmm. Now, it went on a few more years. Its last game was in 1996. But okay. it after the SMU, one of their teams essentially couldn't play football. And mm-hmm. those big schools, they could see greener pastures elsewhere. And you had the Big Eight, which was 
that's where Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Kansas State, Oklahoma, yeah, yeah, all of them. So a lot of those schools looked at that, and I remember famously it was Ann Richards was the governor of Texas that she would not allow the University of Texas or Texas Tech to go unless they took Baylor. So oh wow, that's how okay. Baylor got into the Big Twelve, and then yeah. you had all those schools. Some of them got carved into the SEC. Now almost all of them are going to the SEC. But Uh that was the end of a major conference in college football. And again, SMU wasn't different than anybody else. I think they just, what Michigan is doing is they told the NCAA, you know what? Screw you. Shut up. SMU is just flagrant with it. I applaud their flagrancy with that. But they, so that's it, Todd. Michigan is going to get eight years of football (laughs) bans and... Shut it all down because they dared to do what everybody else is doing. They're either doing it better or I don't know. Nobody cares what anyone else is doing. I I just don't know. This story is so stupid. (laughs) Yes. That's the whole thing. I go through all the emotions with this stuff. I'm nervous. I'm worried. Is Jim Harbaugh going to leave? Are they going to get sanctioned? It's been two weeks now. And anytime I pull up Bleacher Report or Facebook, last night, like after my son's basketball practice, I looked at uh, Bleacher Report to see how Victor Webb and Yama was doing in the game. And all the NCAA stories were uh, Big Ten ADs want hardball punt. Big Ten coaches want hard, And that's what they were talking about. Again, we have this generational talent in Victor Webb and Yama putting up 38 last night, but Bleacher Report's top stories about Michigan sign stealing. Allegations. That's the other thing, too, is yeah, none of this has been proven. It's all allegations. And with the exception of Purdue's head coach putting his name behind it and saying that he's seen this practice happen, nobody else put their name behind it. All the other quote-unquote sources are anonymous or credible. And it's just what what baffles me the most about this is that Maurice Claret and Urban Meyer have come to Jim Harbaugh in Michigan's defense. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, as I heard on another podcast, somebody saying like, out of the 300 things Donald Trump says, one of them he'll be like, you know what sucks? This, that Grainberry cereal it just tastes like garbage. You're like, yeah, you're right. It does taste like garbage. And then he goes on to say 299 other crazy things. And yeah. That's, that's what Maurice Claret and Urban Meyer. And we didn't even mention Urban Meyer's name in. Yeah, the scandal. I, mean, I did at the beginning okay, because he yeah. covered up the wife beating thing that that was. Oh, that's right. But staff member. he covered for a would be murderer. So he was a good kid. <laughs> oh. <laughs> In hindsight, when this is all said and done, whatever the punishment may be or may not be. I think in five to 10 years, we'll look back at this and be like, you remember when Michigan was like embroiled in a sign stealing <laughs> scandal? And that's going to make me cringe to think about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, just so dumb. Again, all these teams know they're doing it. Why are they all getting their asses kicked right now? <laughs> Truer words have not been spoken on this podcast. Ty, they we're going to have, actually, I think it might be in Michigan this year, but I say if they ever need to call, if Michigan needs to call you to come to Ohio State, I'll get you tickets and we'll, well video that's the other thing. I, Real quick, though, I did want to say, like, when the story came out of this guy filming games with his iPhone, I saw a lot of people saying, like, my iPhone power, battery power would last that long. But I've gone to Michigan games, many Michigan games at I've only ever been to Ann Arbor three times, so I usually go to away games. I've filmed tons of stuff there. <laughs> so am I part of the whole well, operation? You are now. I, say, I have it on my phone. Now, if if the NCAA and Ryan Day needs to call you to get your yeah. phone, where are they going to find you? 
You find me on Facebook, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, come read my stuff on Seedsing, S-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I actually wrote a whole thing about this when the story broke, and I was definitely in a different headspace at that time. So you can check that out, Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. You can hear me on some episodes of Chucklehead Chat hosted by Glenn Adams. Go listen to that podcast as well, especially if you're uh, from St. Louis. Listen to me on the uh, First Watch Rewatch podcast. Most importantly, listen to me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about us. Check out our Patreon always black lives matter yeah repeat all that seed saying ex-millennial man we're going to be finishing out the year first season of first watch rewatch with ridley scott's legend Mm -hmm. uh the movie (laughs) rent that i'll do with tina and then you and i we're finishing off with star wars holiday special so i still haven't seen it (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah but what's worse that or star wars nine it's a different you have to think about that Yes, I do. It's a different kind of bad. The Star Wars Holiday Special is literally one of the worst things I think ever made. And I'll explain all that when we get there. Because just from a technical standpoint, it's everybody involved with that should be very embarrassed. But they should also be very proud. (laughs) (laughs) They could create something that that bad. They made a Tommy Wiseau-esque. Oh, my God. Garbage. Yeah. All right. With all that being said, we thank you for years. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we're here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And I just, I'm not a big college football fan, but Ty, I am so amped up for that Michigan-Ohio State game. That's all I can tell you. You're going to have to watch it this weekend, too, because they're playing your wife's alma mater. Yeah, I'm sure it will be on. But after I watched Syracuse put up 50 on Purdue, I'm like, yeah. Hey, I'm never comfortable in any. No matter how many signs Michigan's stealing, stealing, I'm still worried that they're not going to win. So, all right, we'll talk to you next time. Stay fresh, cheese bags. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.